BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Some of the issues that I think are really, really, really important to Americans and to the fate and future of the United States are apparently not going to show up in the presidential debate next week. It's going to be next Tuesday, as I recall. Chris Wallace of Fox News is hosting the debate. You would think that climate change, as California, Oregon, and Washington State are on fire, actually as 12 Western states are on fire. I mean, you know, we're having it really, really bad. But And as multiple hurricanes keep hitting the Gulf Coast, and as we're getting derechos or derechos, however you say, it, you, we're getting these, you know, multi-mile long hurricane bands moving through the Midwest. You would think that we would be discussing climate change at the presidential debate. No, Chris Wallace has decided climate change not so important. Police violence. America has been convulsed by protests against police violence, particularly against black men, but more broadly, police violence in general, as we saw here in Portland. And... Chris Wallace and Fox News think, well, that's not anything that Americans need to talk about. Healthcare. The Affordable Care Act is before the Supreme Court right now. The Trump administration is arguing the entire thing should be struck down, including your protection against being ripped off by your insurance companies with regard to pre-existing conditions. Chris Wallace and Fox News are saying, no, it doesn't matter. We're not going to talk about that. Unemployment. Our unemployment rate is where it was during the Great Depression. Chris Wallace has decided, no, I don't want to talk about that. Immigration. Donald Trump has shut down basically all immigration into the United States, including legal immigration. For all practical purposes, not even issuing new green cards. We won't talk about that. Russia interfering in our election right now. And Donald Trump, apparently the wholly owned subsidiary of Vladimir Putin Incorporated. No, we're not going to talk about Russia. America is humiliated in the world stage. The rest of the world is either laughing at us or in shock and horror. And America's standing in the world? No, that's not going to be a topic that Chris Wallace wants to bring up to discuss between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, whether a Biden presidency would restore the world's trust in the United States. No, we don't want to talk about that. How about the politicization of the federal government? You've got Redfield, the director of the CDC, ordering the CDC to stop telling meatpacking companies how to keep their people safe. No, no, we're not going to talk about that. That's no big deal. How about extreme corruption in the federal government? Every major government agency now is run by an industry lobbyist. No, we're not going to talk about that. How about civil rights and voting rights? No, no, no. These are not the big issues. What are the big issues? The Trump and Biden records. You know, who was a better vice president or president? The Supreme Court. COVID-19, the economy, race and violence in our cities, and the integrity of the election. Those are things that certainly deserve some discussion. But it seems to me like climate change, police violence, health care, abortion, unemployment, immigration, Russia, America's standing in the world, all of these things are, if not equally, I would say more important. And now, by the way, this just came out. This is a a new report claims that this was in the Washington Post. President Donald Trump has privately accused America's Jews of being more loyal to one another than to the United States. This is the exact same hit on Jewish people that was used by the Tsar in Russia back in in 1910 and that was used by Hitler in Germany in the 1930s. 
Oh, they're more loyal to their Jewish brothers and sisters than they are to our nation. They, you can't, a Jew can't be a true American. This was the kind of thing that, that Lindbergh was implying back in the day, the original America First movement. He also said, according to these sources, quote, Trump has maintained that black Americans have mainly themselves to blame in their struggle for equality. And he could never understand why Melania Trump would want to go to that asshole continent, Africa. This is nuts. Just nuts. What's the right-wing press have to say? Communities Digital News, America in peril if RGB's SCOTUS seat is not filled before election. That's the headline. The headline over at Town Hall, Dems threaten to burn down the Republic to stack the Supreme Court. The Washington Times, in the paper used to be owned by the Moonies, it's now just another right-wing paper, similarities between Germany's Nazis and America's peaceful protesters. I'll just read you the first paragraph. As the parallels between the Weimar Republic and today's America accumulate ominously, there is one parallel that is worth particular attention. That is the characterization of ideological hooligans as peaceful protesters. We need to remember that Hitler's brown shirts were similarly characterized in the early days when they were cudgeling their way to power. No, I'm sorry, Hitler's brown shirts were called violent terrorists. I mean, the German press was pretty clear about this. Read William Shearer's book, The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. But, you know, reality doesn't have much place in the right-wingosphere. Fox News, Amy Coney Barrett has the qualities we need and deserve in a justice. Pat Buchanan, the last chance to capture the Supreme Court. Now, you've already got it. You've had it for basically since the 1970s. Kamala Harris will remind everyone how awful she is during confirmation hearings. Well, we'll see. But anyway, Norma in Montgomery, Alabama. Hey, Norma, what's up? Hi, Tom. I just wanted to do a little rant here about why everybody needs to get together and stop pouting, stop sulking, stop being stubborn, and go ahead and vote for Biden. Because if we have Trump reelected, we could lose everything. We will lose Social Security. How many people out there can feed and provide a home for their elders, pay for their medications, their doctor bills? How many people are going to try to sell mom's home in a collapsed economy and not get anything for it, not even enough to build a room on your own house if you own a house? We have a country that is being sold out from under us, and people cannot outbid foreign investors, whether it's an individual or corporation or a country, buying our land out from under us. And so you're going to wind up trying to figure out a way to feed your elders because there's no Social Security, pay for their prescriptions because there's no Medicare. The nursing homes will have to close because there's no Medicaid. There won't be dialysis for people who need it. There won't even be an electric wheelchair for a child that outgrows the one he has. A lot of people cannot afford these wheelchairs. They can't, and now you can't even get a ramp on your van because that's no longer covered. If people don't shut up and stop talking about, oh, I can't vote for Biden because he did this, well, we can handle Biden. One way or another, we can handle Biden and we can handle Harris. But we cannot handle Trump because there isn't anything in our Congress that will do anything. This business of stopping the payments for the corporations to Social Security, how many of them are even American businesses? They are international corporations. So anybody can come to the United States and treat an American citizen like dirt and have no responsibility to the American people or the United States of America. There's no paid sick leave. There's no paid vacation. There's no retirement plan. And now they don't even want to have to pay Social Security to American citizens. They have no obligation. And without OSHA, without workman's comp, they're going to be working in filthy, dirty, dangerous situations because that's all you can get. And if they enact right to work and you have to work for $3 an hour, how happy are you going to be? This is what the corporations are trying to force our Congress to do. And until we have our Congress in our control, we're up a creek. And that means everybody has to go vote and vote the down ballot. And you better start thinking about the midterms. 
Yeah. Oh, 2022? That's so far away, people. Really? Here in Alabama, we have 13 months to find somebody to get on the ballots. And if the census comes in, and we have only 60% of the people here in Alabama have filled it out, we're going to lose a representative to Congress. We're going to wind up with maybe five. We could lose two because people won't bother to fill out the census. And, you know, if you don't have any representation, you have no voice. And they want a new Constitution. Will they eliminate the First Amendment altogether? Will they eliminate your right to vote? Will they eliminate your right to own property? What kind of a country do people want to live in? Go ask your Trump support friends if they can support their parents. Can they pay for their prescriptions? Vote for Biden, people, and shut up. (laughs) Okay. Well said, Norma. Well said. When my listeners can do rants as good as I can, or in many cases, better, you know, it is so cool to sit in this chair. Thanks so much, Norma. Danita in Bremerton, Washington. Hey, Danita, what's up? Hi, Tom. I'm trying to go along with what you said. Don't get into despair. We've been bombarded with Republican signs here in Kitsap County, so we went to the Democrats and we got signs. But I also looked up in Washington State. I'm not sure if people know if they're ignorant or not of situations. Is It is illegal to tamper with or take down signs. And as a Washington code, at minimum, it's a $1,000 fine per sign and 90 days in jail. Or if they take... That's per sign. So if they take quite a few signs, it goes up to a gross misdemeanor. And it could be $5,000 up to 364 days in jail. And so I just want to let people know, Democrats, Republicans, leave the signs alone. They're not your property. We want to have fair elections. And so I just want some people just may not know. Put your sign where you're, you know, if you have one of those uh, doorbell cams or, or any kind of security camera that shows your front yard, try to catch the sign in that picture. Tony in Utica, Michigan. Hey, Tony, what's up? Says you don't agree with me. Uh, hi, Tom. Oh, Listen, don't take sure. this personal, but I have a contention with you. I support you okay. 100% when you go on a rift against the Republicans. But remember this. The Republicans aren't acting in a void. They're in a dynamic where the Democrats are allowing them to get away with all this. For the last 45 years, ever since Tip O'Neill went weak-kneed with Reagan, why the Democrats have been enabling the Republicans to take whatever power they want. And it all has to deal going back to the labor unions. As soon as the Democrats gave up on the labor unions, their donor money was reduced. They had to go to Wall Street. They had to go to the big Yeah, banks. it wasn't. It, and, Tony, and, you're, and, you're putting the blame in the wrong place. It wasn't that the Democrats gave up on the labor unions. It was that Ronald Reagan declared war on the labor unions, and the Supreme Court helped him out with a whole series of decisions in the 1970s yeah, and 1980s the that gutted the unions. Why did the Democrats and, allow it? Why did they allow it? They couldn't stop it. They were not in a position to stop it. You've got to have political power to stop these things. Tony, if you're opposed to what the Democrats are doing right now, find good progressive Democrats who are going to be activists, who aren't just going to be corporate bumps on a log. There are a few of them out there, but increasingly the Democratic Party is active. Find some good Democrats in your state, in Michigan, that you would like to see elected to the Michigan legislature. This is the training ground. You know, the majority of Republican senators started out as state legislators in their states. That's the farm team. We need the same thing. We need to be doing this. We need to be bringing people up through the ranks. Robin in Kingston, Washington. Hey, Robin, what's up? Hi, Tom. Uh, Just calling in, see if we can build some bridges and get more constituencies and building in the blocks to get out and vote. And this one, I've come up with a good idea where the elder community can reach out and express something to the youth. I mean, I'm outside high schools and all around the area in North Kitsap here all the time. So the kids actually know me and they like me and it, and it works. What I'm about to say is work. And I'm a major proponent of t-shirt messaging. And so Biden has got this really great idea called Build Back Better. Mm-hmm. And I think we should hijack it and we should do t-shirts and signs and political pressure to change it to Build Back Green. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because I don't think that the youth really completely believes that the elder community is with them. And here's the very simple, simple way to do this. 
And um, what it will express to the youth, which is unbelievably helpful to me when I'm out dealing with them, is I, you know, let them know that things haven't gone the way I wanted them to go in the last 50 years, but I'm still here. Uh, you know, I was on duty. I was on watch during that time period. I didn't quit, but I'm still here. We have something to do, and we still care. And I don't think the youth really believe that. They inform me that they hold off and they're distant from it. So I think that that is just a way that elders can actually help out getting more people out to vote. And okay. I just want to- Robin, build back green. I, I like it. I think it's a great suggestion. Thank you very much for the call. Judd in Tyler, Texas. Hey, Judd, what's up? I think you made a good point a while ago. I, I don't think the president unfortunately speaking, has has swayed enough people to garner anybody that's out of his circle, that anybody out of his base. I don't think there's enough people that he has brought on board to say, you know what, he's doing such a great job. I, I was going to do this. And mm. yeah, I, I think he's got my vote. Matter of fact, I think he's probably lost more people than he's gained more people. Um, I think so, too. So, the question is, has uh, he lost the, I mean, you've got, you know, in, in uh, Georgia, he's still running ahead of Joe Biden. You've got, and, and now they're doing this stuff county by county, you know, in fact, yeah. electoral district by district um, in terms of focusing Facebook ads and targeting individuals based on the zip code, on their zip code or, or even on their specific address. This is, this is this incredible tool that Mark Zuckerberg has, you know, handed to the Trump campaign, did it, gave, gave it to him in 2016. They've got it again. And, uh, you know, all they and have the to way, do is get, you know, people in about 70 U.S. counties to overwhelmingly believe that Donald Trump is the savior and Joe Biden is Satan. And they got the election. God help us, Tom. I mean, speaking of Facebook, is one of the reasons I got off that garbage. It's terrible. Anyway, I love the show. Thanks, man. OK, thanks a lot, Judd. This is what's actually going on. This is what's actually going on. We have a guy in the White House who has been lying to us all year about the severity of a disease that 60 percent of the friggin' people who survive it are still sick and may be disabled for the rest of their lives, particularly those who have had strokes, who are having blood clot problems, who are having who have had damage to their hearts or to their brains. I guess that's the definition of a stroke. But you get my point. Cali, if I'm saying that right, in Marietta, California. Bill Barr, I mean, he writes a specious letter, gets appointed as attorney general, as the former Iran-Contra interference dude on the football team, the right-wing football team, that is. <laughs> they want to deny the Democratic state's funding, you know, all on the premise that the violence by the Democrats, well, most of the violence has occurred from the right-wing factions in this country. You can look at a map. You can see all the points on the map by far outweigh any Democratic or liberal organized death squad, literally. I mean, Defining like, violence, Stephen, as people being injured or people being killed, then yes, right-wing violence radically outweighs left-wing violence in the United States. In fact, the only instance of uh, what you could argue is left-wing violence was the guy in, in Portland who was executed by the police after the fact. But if you're defining violence as property damage, then, you know, you could, then, which is how Fox News is defining it, then, and how right-wing talk radio is defining it, then you look at all these protests associated with Black Lives Matter over the, over the last year and look at the property damage that has occurred, and that's what they're pointing to. Now, the problem with that is we know from, like, Umbrella Man in Minneapolis that a lot of that violence that has occurred, and we saw the same thing here in Portland where you've got right-wing groups who are working on this and organizing this and planning this, that a lot of it is, is either provoked or actually being done by right-wingers to blame it on left-wingers. Let's keep, keep in mind the two police officers, in, I believe it was in California, who were shot and killed in the context of a protest were killed by a right-winger. And therefore, it gets almost no publicity, frankly. But Stephen, I'm with you. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. 
NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. On this week's Science Revolution, how Trump's new herd mentality strategy could kill 6 million Americans and destroy our economy. Trump doesn't know how to run a business, so we shouldn't be surprised that he doesn't know how to run a country. His latest failure, tragically, is the United States of America. Economist Richard Wolf and Dr. Justin Frank drop by on all this. Plus, Dr. Gary Yo is here on the apocalyptic wildfires and climate warming. Tune into the Science Revolution wherever fine podcasts are available. Welcome back. David in Dallas, Texas. Hey, David, you're on the air. What's up? Well, I just have an argument for never Bidens and Bernie or Busters who don't. Have you met any of those people, David? I haven't heard from anybody taking that position outside. The the two people that have called into this program in the last three weeks who've taken that position, we were able to track back their phone numbers, or at least one of them, and uh, it it was a Republican guy. You know, it's like, I'm not hearing that from Democrats. I mean, go ahead and offer the rebuttal, but I'm just not hearing it. Well, yeah, I, I have a few friends who are like that. I was a big Bernie uh, back in the primaries. Uh, so I know a few people really with Biden. They're really expecting Biden to come with, like, the morality and the policies that he's not going to get. So that's why they don't want to vote for him. But what we will get with Biden is time to build progressive movement. For example, like you see... The progressive movement right now compared to 2016, it's way bigger. So if you give it another two or four years, it's going to be even more bigger. So with Biden, that's really what you're going to get. We're going to have the opportunity to organize and stuff. The other thing is you're going to get a lot of reforms against fascism moving to the popular vote. That's going to be a big barrier against other, the Tom Cottons or or the future fascists. So so that's going to be a big block against all that stuff. Or even just stay out of jail. I mean, Donald Trump has demonstrated that he is willing to use the number one dictator tool. In fact, he's actively doing it right now. And that is using the instrument of justice, the Department of Justice, against his enemies. 
If you're a Bernie supporter, Donald Trump will identify you as one of his enemies when the day comes. So, you know, this is a matter of self-preservation, if nothing else. David, thank you. Excellent points all. Mark in Perrysburg, Ohio. Hey, Mark, thanks for watching Free Speech TV. What's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Thank you. I just wonder if you could help me get my head around the Electoral College a little bit. First, as in how do you get appointed to it? And second, as long as they're voting per the population of their state, how is it a risk? How does it get corrupted and do the wrong thing? Members of the Electoral College are appointed by the political parties that are on the ballot. Typically, they're drawn from the ranks of party loyalists. And the Constitution says that electors may vote for whoever they want, although they are directed to vote for a particular candidate by their state based on rules the state comes up with. We have two states, Nebraska and Maine, that have split up their states and said, because they both have more than one elector, you know, part of the state could go for Biden, part of the state could go for Trump, and so we can cast votes for both. The other 48 states all say whoever wins the state gets all the electoral college votes. There have been a few electors in history who have, and in fact, there was one in the last election, who have said, you know, yeah, I know my state voted for Donald Trump, but I'm not going to do that and, and voted for somebody else. I don't recall if it was Hillary Clinton or somebody else. But basically, the problem with the electoral college is not the electors. The problem with the electoral college is that whole winners take all thing and the fact that small states have proportionally more electors than large states because every state gets two electors based on their two senators. So you've got a Republican bias in the Electoral College, which is why the last time a Republican was elected with a majority of the votes was 1988 when George Herbert Walker Bush was elected. Every president, every Republican since then, George W. Bush in 2000 and Donald Trump in 2016, were elected with a minority of popular votes. George W. Bush lost by half a million votes. Donald Trump lost by three million votes. And, uh, you know, it's just the way it is. And what we need is the national popular vote dot, I think it's org. You need to check that website out and see how you can help, because that will solve the problem. Brian in Bothell, Washington. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind today? What I believe is the Democratic Party's hugely missed opportunity to reestablish themselves, especially in the face of this pandemic, as the party of labor. I just think it's a huge miss opportunity and uh, maybe have a little discussion on that. And also, one more thing I wanted to mention was of all the reasons I have thought of why my neighbors and our fellow citizens shouldn't be walking around the country with weapons of war, maybe the most important and grandest one has just been presented to us, that when we are in the grips of a mentally disturbed, emotionally disturbed leader... Yeah. And in fact, I mean, we've had a number of right wing murders that have happened, you know, in the United States in the last few years. And the right wing terrorism is a real thing. It's a real, real thing. And it's a very troubling thing. Zach in North Hollywood. Hey, Zach, what's up? I hope I'm the one incorrect here, but it seems to me that Bush, too, on his second round, both had the Electoral College and three million vote lead. You are absolutely right, Patrick. You are absolutely right. But he would not have been running had he not lost by 500,000 votes four years earlier. So when I say no, no Republican president since 1988 has been elected with a majority of the popular vote, I suppose I should put an asterisk on that, you know, because you are absolutely right. But Bush lost that election in 2000. We know that, you know, a year later when they actually counted the votes. And also, if you look at the fraud that his brother committed, you know, with Kathleen Harris of throwing 90,000 African-Americans off the voting rolls in the months just before the election, he committed fraud. But nonetheless, lost by half a million votes. You're right, Patrick, and thank you for pointing it out. It's always good to to keep the talk show host honest. Tom Hartman here with you, Norris in Kinder, Louisiana. I couldn't take it anymore. I had to call. I hadn't called you in a while. Donald Trump is okay. deliberately trying to kill people. Deliberately. It seems. And I never thought I was going to live to see the day that I actually would recognize a living, breathing demon in the White House and all those evil duels. He is completely destroying America. Completely. And I've been watching you for the last few years, Tom. And everything that I heard come out of your mouth has been right on. And God bless you, you, Tom. 
please don't ever run for president because somebody will take you out. <laughs> Thank you, Doris. Please. No, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm too old and too crotchety. Yeah. You know, Norris, I am hopeful that he has not completely destroyed America, but he's done a damn good job. I keep going back to this. I wish the media would point this out more often. You know, I haven't heard anything about it in several weeks, actually. But the week of April 7th needs, somebody needs to write a damn book about it. Because that was the week after, on April 7th, you know, uh, pr- the week prior to that, the, the Trump administration, administration and Jared Kushner and all these guys, they were actually planning on invoking the Defense Production Act. They were going to do nationwide testing. They were going to do nationwide. They actually had a plan. It was a it was a variation on a plan that Obama had left for a flu pandemic, but they actually had a plan. And when the word came out on April 7th that black and Hispanic people were disproportionately dying from this virus, then the Jared Kushner and Donald Trump in the White House said, "Okay, that's it. To hell with you know, to hell with doing anything about it. We'll just let him die." And to that point, Norris, I think what you are saying is absolutely right. There's basically two ways to deal with this virus, and when you try to go a middle road, which is what's happening in Europe right now, it breaks down. The first way is to stop it in its tracks. It's what we did with SARS. It's what we did with MERS. It's what we did with Ebola. You simply stop it in its tracks. And that's what Taiwan did with the coronavirus. They have not had a case of domestic transmission since April 12th. Every single new case of coronavirus that has popped up in Taiwan since April 12th has been a person who came in on an airplane or a boat and got quarantined. So life is back to normal there. Well, you say, they must have shut down the country for quite a while, right? No, they never shut down the country. This is the whole, you know, kind of straw man canard thing that uh, Trump and, the, and, and Bill Barr, oh, it's like, you know, slavery. You don't have to shut down the country. Taiwan didn't shut down the country. What did they do? They had everybody wear masks, which, as Dr. Redfield pointed out yesterday, is actually more effective than everybody being vaccinated. They had everybody wear masks and they did testing and contact tracing. And anybody who was infected or anybody who had been exposed to somebody who was infected got quarantined for two weeks. That's what they did. So they didn't shut down the whole country. They didn't shut down the whole economy. The 23 million people of Taiwan did not go into their bunkers. A few thousand of them stayed in their bedrooms for two weeks. Not quite slavery. And they defeated the virus. The other extreme end is just let it run crazy. Let it run wild. Try to achieve herd immunity. Let it kill off a whole bunch of your population. It's what Jair Bolsonaro is doing right now in Brazil. And it's what Donald Trump is doing right now in the United States. And if that strategy is continuing to be pursued here in the United States, we could have as many as 6 million dead Americans and 20 or 30 or 40 million permanently disabled Americans. And now we discover that You can get reinfected with a different strain of this virus, just like with the other coronavirus that we're all familiar with, the common cold. This is why you can get two or three colds a year and why you get a cold every year, because it's a new strain. It's a mutation. This virus has mutated in a relatively significant way seven times now. And there's dozens of smaller mutations. Richard in Bellevue, Washington. Hey, Richard. I'm wanting to express my, what I think is realistic paranoia, that... This election that's coming up, the Republicans are openly and brazenly flaunting what they're going to to, uh, hijack this election, and it's well underway. I think that they already feel like they've got it in the bag, and I'm worried that even if and when Joe Biden wins the popular vote by over 10 million or more, that he still might not be awarded this election. I don't know what to go ahead and do about it other than contacting Congress people and, and hoping that... And make sure that every single human being that you've ever had any contact with in your life, Richard, has gotten a message from you saying, are you registered to vote? By the way, you know, here's a, here's a website where you can, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, that's exactly what I'm doing. And I urge everybody out there, particularly in these swing states, to do the same. We are in serious, serious jeopardy of of not only losing our democracy, but um, a social way of life that cannot be replicated. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's a serious problem. It's a serious concern. You know, stuff we need to take very seriously. Richard, thank you for the call. It's spot on. Jeff in San Francisco. Hey, Jeff, what's up? 
Uh, I just watched the Woody Harrelson Netflix special, Kiss the Ground. I'm just really excited about Joe Biden getting in there with the Green New Deal and how we could pay farmers to sequester carbon instead of producing carbon by plowing their fields under. And I suggest everybody watch that film. And we can make him the next FDR instead of what he's been in the past. And uh, how can we do that? Yes. Yeah, well, FDR went through a conversion. I mean, FDR was always a champion of relatively progressive policies. But as governor of New York, he was nothing like he was as president of the United States. And, and he was very much part of the old Tammany Hall machine. Um, but when he became president, he rose to the occasion. And I have a lot of confidence that in particular Kamala Harris, but also Joe Biden can do the same. It's what it's going to take is us. I mean, it's just that simple. You know, no politician, the, the limit of a politician's power is the people in the United States. Uh, you know, and I get it, you know, since the Supreme Court decisions handing, you know, t- saying that money is speech, uh, one of the other limits on a politician's power is how much money they have, you know, apropos of the last caller as well. I get that. But still, public opinion is a big thing. And people showing up in nonviolent ways is a big thing. And that's what we've got to do, Jeff. I totally agree and push the, for the Green New Deal. And we could put people yeah. to work just like we did back in the 30s, you know? Yep. And uh, Yep. I'm Green New Deal, Medicare and for know. All, and end student debt. I mean, it's real simple. We should just, we should have this mantra of these three things. Green New Deal, no student debt, Medicare for all. Very straightforward. This is not a socialist agenda. This is a Save America agenda. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. And welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. Steve in Topanga, California. Hey, Steve, what's up? What happens to the down-ballot races when Kentucky doesn't certify its election? Mitch McConnell stays in the Senate. There's no race there. It all goes are, away. are you talking about if a state offers two slates of electors in the 12th Amendment scenario, what happens to all the down-ballot stuff? Is that your question? Yeah. I'm, you know, what I'm thinking is, that, I mean, I'm convinced that that's what they're going to do. They're going to try to steal the election by uh, not certifying I agree. Uh, Republican states. I agree. The Electoral College slate of candidates is handled completely separately from everything else in the election. So the, all the down-ballot races for you know governor, state senator, U.S. senator, member of the House of Representatives, state assembly, state senate, dog catcher, those will all be counted by the state of California. Or if you were in a state where you had something hinky going on and, and uh, it ends up, the state says we can't certify the, the electoral college vote, the rest of the vote is still okay. So, so, uh, so there's a separate certification, two certifications basically is what you're saying. That's, wow. that's okay. absolutely correct. The Constitution lays out the certification process for the Electoral College. It does not lay out a certification process for all the other races. Those are all left up to the states. Well, so. That's a little bit that's sounding a little bit better, but uh, I still think they're going to yeah. steal the election through this House. Just like what you said. We'll see. is isn't a top story, I mean, what Trump said the other yeah, day. Yeah, I mean, Trump, Trump came right out and said it day before yesterday. Yeah. He said it twice, in fact. So, you right. know, this is going to go to Congress. You know, this is going to go to Congress, right? And it's right. like, I can't keep a he's secret a, worth a he's damn. A, he's, he's a criminal. And, you know, and so he's going to do it by hook or crook, right? He's going to steal it. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And, and if Absolutely. He, and, he can't, and he can't keep a secret worth a damn, which is why Vladimir Putin loves him. Steve, thanks a lot for the call. James in Portland. Hey, James, what's on your mind? We all remember uh, Al Gore and Bush in Florida, right? Okay. Oh, yeah. So I just checked. There's no time limit to register to vote in Florida. You just go there, set up a residence, and vote. Well, going there and setting up a residence. Are you suggesting that, like, people who have been burned out of their houses in Oregon should go to Florida? Anybody, anywhere that they want their vote to count, go to Florida. There's no time limit. Vote. 
And the polls in Florida are like 50-50. If Trump loses Florida, he's toast. If you want your vote yeah. to count. But, but you have to... You have to own a home in or, or have a residence in, in, you know, in Florida. You have to actually be a resident of the state to register to vote, James. We don't want to be encouraging people to do something that, that is illegal. But, you know, I get your point. James, thank you for the call. Robin in Kingston, Washington. Hey, Robin, what's up? I think I've uh, stumbled on an important coalition that we can kind of pull away from the Lincoln Trojan Horse Project. The question that I'm curious about this upcoming election is whether or not we can get voters to vote with thoughtful decision a bit more instead of um, so emotionally as they often do. And um, the coalition I'm talking about is is the women's uh, vote. And uh, uh, four simple points to just try to get make, make my point. The 26th woman just came out about Trump sexually molesting her, Amy Doris. That goes along with the Hollywood access. But women's issues, immigrant children, Trump taking them from uh, parents, mostly mothers. Now we're finding ICE has forced hysterectomies. And the thing that sticks in my craw is the Equal Rights Amendment has not even been ratified. So my broader question, I'm wondering whether we can get some of the voters, female women voters, who are kind of in the middle. I'm not talking about Trumpsters. Uh, I wonder if we can get them to just mo- vote, not so much emotionally, but factually and kind of with principle. And my, my big question is, what is the character of a president do you want? And let the answer to that drive your decision. And obviously, it would be towards the Democrats and Joe Biden. And uh, to finish up, just to let you know, my T-shirt messaging of the week is, it's the century of the woman, vote, and it's going over very well. So anyways, I'm just trying to see if that coalition can work. What do you think about that? I think that uh, two guys sitting around talking about the women's vote is <laughs> tone deaf. Just well, like no, if we tried to talk about the male vote or the black vote or the right. Hispanic vote, there is no monolith called the women's vote. And, my, my apologies uh, uh, for mansplaining. I, my apologies yeah. to my sisters <laughs> for mansplaining. But I'm going to talk about it. it because I, I don't waste any time trying to get the men out to vote because we haven't had them. Thank you. And I do think that women's issues, and particularly the Equal Rights Amendment, should be you know, high-priority things. And these are things that we should all be supporting. And one of the things that I find most encouraging, I mean, you know, Trump won the, the white female vote last time around. It looks like he's not going to win it this time around. J.J. in Indianapolis. Hey, J.J., what's up? Tom, I just want to know what you think we need to do to make Democrats as strategic and if necessary, as ruthless as Republicans. And here's my example. I'm an attorney, and for the life of me, I never understood why Obama did not send Merrick Garland directly to the Supreme Court in May or June of 2016, even if it prompted a, quote, constitutional crisis, because the Republican Senate, under Mitch McConnell, gave its implied consent by not acting on its constitutional duty. They waived it across the board in all areas of law, contract law, Constitutional law, law, etc. There's a concept of implied consent and waiver that if you don't speak up, you don't act, you, you waive it. And because the problem with Mr. Cardinal's theory that the, that the Senate has the ability under the Constitution just to not act, that literally gives the Senate the ability to eliminate a branch of government. If the Senate never acts when judges die or retire, the entire judicial branch would disappear over time. So obviously that can't be the way to interpret the Constitution. And I know Well, that was the direction things were going in the last two years of the Obama administration when John Roberts wrote a letter to, the, uh, to Mitch McConnell saying, help, you know, he, the federal judiciary is reaching a point of paralysis. And Mitch McConnell just shrugged his shoulders and said, you know, wait till the next election. We, th- we think we're going to have a Republican in office. Yeah, and so they exploited the, but, the, the, the situation. But and, and I know that if, if Democrats had done the same thing, if, if you flip all the parties, um, of course, the Democrats would not have done that. But if the Democrats had the same situation and tried to delay for a year um, taking any action on a, on a nomination, I know that the Republicans would have made this argument and, and sent their uh, nominee to, to the court. And so I, I just bring that up as an example. But across the board, We've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the Democratic leadership to wake up and be willing to do whatever is necessary. And as things get worse and worse and worse, 
we keep on thinking, okay, this is going to be the time. Now they're going to get it. And I'm just not confident in, uh, that they will. Yeah. Ezra Klein has uh, an interesting op-ed over in the Washington Post in which he's basically saying what Republicans in the Senate, what Mitch McConnell has taught the Democratic senators is that if you have the power to do something, you should do it. If it works to the benefit of your party or your perspective or your constituents or your donors. And that that is what Republicans have done, even violating all kinds of norms and standards. And frankly, that's what they're talking about doing in directing some of these swing state Republican controlled legislatures to set up their, uh, you know, a Republican slate of electors, regardless of how the election goes in those states. And I hope this is a message Democrats are getting. This is not, you know, the Senate that it was 50 years ago or even 20 years ago. This is not the Republican Party that we used to deal with that, that you know, uh, was a relatively honest broker, uh, at least right up until the Reagan years. This is the logical extension of Reagan's lies to America and the lies of Republicans ever since about a whole spectrum of things, you know, about the environment, about the, the role of government, about labor, uh, you know, I mean, the, uh, about race relations in the United States, and, you know, what's going on with all that. All of these things are, are critical things, and I'm with you, J.J. It is time for Democrats to start, you know, taking names and kicking ass. And if they fail to, it's on them. But we've got to hold them accountable. This is why I sent a, I, I tweeted day before yesterday, how do we get Elizabeth Warren as, as Senate Majority Leader? And I honestly don't know the answer to that question. I believe that, it, you know, it's, it's traditionally basically a seniority position, although that would have put um, uh, Pat Leahy in there. I think he's the most senior uh, Democrat in the Senate right now. But, you know, it's something that you kind of work your way up to like that. But I would like to see somebody right. who's breathing fire. And, and uh, Elizabeth Warren is breathing fire these days. And, and uh, you know, Chuck Schumer's a decent guy, but he can't even give a damn speech without reading it in a monotone. I mean, it's like, well, and, really? He calls everybody his friends, our friends on the other side of the aisle. Right. Well, right. Yeah. Let's let's stop shoveling the horse crap here and, and acknowledge what's actually going on. And let's put people in positions of power in the Democratic Party who are willing to take names and kick ass, not like Dianne Feinstein, who came out the other day and said, well, I don't know if we should, you know, I mean, come on. You have to realize who you're dealing with. JJ, I'm with you. Thanks a lot for the call. John and Rosal, Illinois. I've got a couple things that I think might be able to shed some of the voters off of Trump's bandwagon. I think Biden should try to tag the virus as the Trump virus, since the United States is doing worse than any other country in the world, and just use little Trump's methodology. And He's been doing that. So has Pelosi. They've been called the Trump virus? Yeah, I can't give you an example of recently having heard Biden say that, or for that matter, I don't think in the last week I've heard Pelosi say it, although she doesn't, I mean, she talks a lot to the press, but very little of it actually makes its way onto national media. But uh, Pelosi has used that phrase repeatedly uh, that I've seen. Oh, good. Okay, because I think that that, you've got to fight fire with fire and and just try to make it stick. (laughs) Um, The other thing, too, is uh, I wanted to know if anybody's ever posed the question to Donald Trump why he doesn't own a dog. Because I think if somebody did that in public and it's some kind of a press conference, his reaction might be very negative. And there's a lot of his supporters that have dogs and love dogs. And if he came out with a real negative take on that, um, it might shed a few people from uh, being so uh, gung-ho about him. Well, uh, John, from your lips to the White House reporter's ears. (laughs) I'm sorry? He's the first president I remember never having a dog. Seems like every president. Yeah, even Nixon went out and got a dog to humanize him when he went into the White House. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's just a very normal thing to do. But Donald Trump humanizing, those two words don't belong in the same sentence. John, thank you. Uh, brilliant. Howard in New York City. Hey, Howard, what's up? Yeah, hi. Uh, I'm thoroughly confused on this two different slates of delegates that can happen in a state. Hopefully you can clarify. So the voters vote, and based on what they vote, there's a delegates are selected. Trump says, I no. challenge that it's a No. No, uh, the parties, you've got two things going on at the same time. 
Um, the Electoral College, the political parties nominate their electors. So, uh, you know, the Democratic Party picks a bunch of people who are typically, you know, just good, loyal Democrats. The, the Constitution requires that the electors not be a person holding public office. And Hamilton writes in uh, the Federalist Papers, I think it's number 47, as I recall, um, Hamilton writes about how because they do not hold political office, they will be impartial. And so the parties pick their electors, and then the state holds its election. And then in 48 of our states, the state has a law that directs the state to choose the electors for the party of the person who won the popular vote in the state. Now, in Maine and okay, Nebraska, now, it's slightly different. It's, it's, right. it's, now, it's based on Trump, congressional Trump, district. Trump can challenge that and say to the state legislators, I want a different slate of delegates. No. And now you have two different... No, he can't no. do that. The way, the way that it would have to happen, Howard, the Constitution says that a state can determine how their electors vote, period, full stop. It's entirely up to yep. the state. If Oregon wanted to pass a law tomorrow that says we will never again send a Republican elector to Washington, D.C., no matter who gets elected, it's always going to be Democrats, that would be constitutional. That would be legal. And in fact, mm -hmm. that's what the legislature of Florida damn near did in 2000. In the, in the last week of November of 2000, um, the Florida legislature was prepared to. They stopped because the Supreme Court took the case and stopped them from having to do it. But they were prepared to pass a law saying that the electors for the state of Florida, even if Al Gore wins the recount, those electors are going to go for George W. Bush. And so what the states have all done over the last 100 or 200 years is pass laws saying that whoever wins the popular vote in the state gets all the electors, a winner-takes-all kind of thing. But, but the individual states can change those laws and award their electors to anybody they want. It's going to be subject to state law, though. And in some states, that means that they'd have to get past a governor's veto if you've got a Democratic governor like you've got in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Um, in some states, it may mean that uh, you don't have to. Uh, in Florida, for example, in 2000, the way that the Florida law worked, if the legislature had passed that law and Jeb Bush had not signed it within seven days, it would have become law anyway. So the state... House and Senate in total. Well, actually, it would have to go through to both bodies and be passed as a law. But that's how they do it. Am I making and, sense here, Howard? Yes, but Trump can try and manipulate that process, right? No, he has. He can try to manipulate it in the court of public opinion. He can try to get the legislators in an individual state. He could, he could reach out to say the entire election was hanging on Pennsylvania, and right. and Pennsylvania had not yet cast their electoral votes. Um, Trump could say, well, you know, I don't think that the Pennsylvania should be uh, casting votes. And, and it looks like Joe Biden has won Pennsylvania by 5,000 votes. Right. Trump could come out and say, those 5,000 votes, those are all illegal immigrants, or those are all people who, you know, bought ballots and, or whatever, you know, some right. BS thing. And at that point, the, the legislators of Pennsylvania, the Republican legislators, because the legislature is controlled by Republicans, both the House and Senate, they could decide that there's a little enough public relations risk for them to use that cudgel that Trump has given them to pass a law giving their electors to Trump. Or they could decide, you know, it's not going to be worth it. And a lot of that is going to depend on, on public opinion. That's the one area where Trump has influence over the Electoral College is his ability to influence state legislatures to appoint their electors for him. Got it. So it's the state legislators that could give in to Trump or not. Correct, because it's all okay. up to them. As John Yu right. said about the 2000 case in Florida, um, right. it is all <laughs> pure and simple. It's all up to the electors. So, uh, yeah. So, okay, thank Howard, thanks a lot for the call. My friend. Appreciate it. You're Bye. absolutely welcome. Pleased to do it anytime. Jill in Kingston, Washington. Hey, Jill, what's up? My concern is the, caps, uh, is the counting of absentee ballots uh, or mail-in ba ballots and Trump's uh, agenda with saying that these ballots don't count. Um, I'm on a website right now. It's called the NCSL. It's about uh, the National uh, Committee uh, Conference of State Legislators. And basically it lays out all 50 states' rules regarding when an absentee or mail-in ballot 
can be counted. Most of the states allow processing prior to Election Day, but also most of the states don't allow counting, the actual counting of the ballots, until Election Day or after the polls close. And I'm thinking that there's stuff we could do, such as get into these states and be there to count these ballots before the polls close. Oh, the Democratic Party is all over that. I mean, in every single state, they, they, are, they are bringing in lawyers and poll watchers and, and, and things like that. Um, absolutely. Okay. They're, they're heady on that. But that's interesting. I just looked at their website, ncsl.org, as in National Conference of State Legislatures.org, ncsl.org. It's fascinating. Thanks for the heads up on yeah. that. I didn't even know about that before. in Baltimore, Maryland. Hey, Rick, what's up? Every time there's a presidential election in this country, talking heads on TV always talk about how it's all about the swing voters and the undecided voters. I think that's nonsense. I think if somebody's an undecided voter at this point, we're just going to say that they're a Trump voter. Uh, I think the real challenge is getting your people out to vote, getting Democrats out to vote. Um, An old colleague of mine is in uh, one of the battleground states, and he's told me that the phone banking field operations are go- going really well. There's a lot of phone calls being made, but there's not a lot of door knocking uh, and canvassing going on because of the COVID pand- pandemic. Um, this same individual uh, told me in October of 2016 that Hillary was in big trouble in uh, the northern battleground states and that field operations in Wisconsin and Michigan were non-existent. So I just wanted to see if anybody on the air or anybody listening or you had any contact with the Biden campaign and could tell them, you know, we got to get PPE to the field organizers out there, shields, gloves, uh, masks, whatever they need uh, so we can get out there and knock doors. Because without that, um, you, you could see Trump's using out um, kind of a slim victory, in my opinion. Yeah, although I'm not sure that just getting masks to people so that they can show up is going to help all that much when people aren't even answering their doors. They don't want to have conversations with people. Uh, it, it's a real tough one. It's a real tough one. But Rick, uh, thanks. Thanks for the information. Uh, we're just all going to have to do everything we can to wake people up and get them to the polls and, and kind of hold our breath. Frank in Spokane. Hey, Frank, what's up? Let's assume that Biden gets elected. Let's be hopeful. Here's what, I, what I'd like to propose for the new administration. And then let's further assume that, you know, we have favorable results for the Senate and the, and the House. So we've got a, a, a blue government, so to speak. Okay. Mm-hmm. Two taxes, both federal excise taxes. First, on corporations. So first, we'll limit this to corporations contributing to political campaigns. So, yes, you can do it. But when you do that... 50, there's there's going to be a new 50% excise tax on that that you pay to the federal treasury for that for for that privilege. Second tax um, when corporations now this is directed towards public companies they do share buybacks as a means to quote uh, provide shareholder equity right or or provide shareholder value added value right okay. Sure, you can do that instead of investing in your company, investing in your people, paying your people more. Oh, my God, we can't do that. Um, you also face a 50% federal excise tax. You buy back shares? Why not just right Why not just make it illegal like it was before Reagan became president? Well, you can't do the first one because of Citizens United. Until you overturn Citizens right. United. No, um, but I'm talking about the share buybacks. I don't think the Supreme Court has ever weighed in on that. Not yet. No, that's true. That's true. And it would be a regulation of commerce. So presumably Congress mm-hmm. would have the capability to do that. Um, right. And you can't do it retroactive, but <clears throat> you know, we got a big budget deficit. Here's a way to raise revenue. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Frank, uh, great start. Lou in Fair Play, Colorado. Hey, Lou, what's up? Just thought I was going to relate personal experience from the 2000 election, Bush-Gore in Florida. 
my father-in-law worked for the county, and the county always maintained the voting machines, which were the old push-pin type at that time. Okay, mm-hmm. for that election, the state he got orders from all the counties got orders. All the machines were sent to Ohio to be adjusted by Diebold, a third party to make sure they were accurate. Well, my father-in-law was a perfectionist, so when they came back, he checked me, found that all the machines for his county were not going to punch correctly on the Democratic side, and you know, so he readjusted them. So that was interesting. Wow. wow. Yeah, and, and I explained to him what I think happened was going on there, and he said, well, also 19 commissioners of elections quit that in August of a, for a November election. The one in his county said is because she refused to cheat. She was a Republican. Wow. Wow. Now, a couple years later, he asked me to come down and see these new electronic machines. You know, and because I'm an electrical engineer, he said, he's, he said, wow, these things are a little beyond me. So I came in and looked at them. Basically, all they were was a PC, and they would store the votes in, depending on it going to one cell of an Excel spreadsheet <laughs> when you voted, and these sp- I could open the files with Excel. They weren't password protected or encrypted or anything. You could literally just plug in the serial port back then, take them off the machine, modify them, and put them back. Yeah. Tina Brown used to have a TV show called Topic, Topic A with Tina Brown. I think it was on M- uh, MSNBC, might have been CNBC, but wherever it was. She was off one week and she had Howard Dean fill in for her. And my recollection is this was around 2003, 2004, but it could have been a little later than that. And Howard Dean had Bev Harris on and Bev Harris brought a Diebold voting machine and a tabulator. And she on on live on the air. There are still clips of this floating around the Internet. It took 90 seconds for Howard Dean to hack a voting machine and reverse the outcome of an election. 90 seconds. And that was a Diebold machine. And yet you would think that we would have been warned, right? You would think that we would have been warned. Now they're doing but it from anyway. Moscow. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and yeah, that's the big concern right now is, the, is that they absolutely are. Lou, thanks for the call. And thanks for the, uh, the warning, the heads up. Tim in Rockville, Maryland, watching us on Facebook Live. Hey, Tim, what's up? For me, election integrity is the basic fundamental issue of the day and should be addressed as the number one issue of the day, because if that got fixed, everything else, all the other issues would fall into line if we could just get it straight. Well, I think, uh, Tim, I would I I, I don't disagree with you altogether, but I would subordinate that to one thing, and that's money in politics, because even if you have high integrity elections, as long as politicians are being funded by billionaires who are willing to lie to us and they're willing to hire politicians to lie to us. And those lies get amplified with literally multi-billion dollar a year, you know, mouthpieces and platforms and everything else. uh, It's going to be damn tough to do anything. Yeah, it's a big bribery scheme, and if they would just make all that right, get the money out of it, everything would go, okay, why is it so difficult for Democrats to push as an issue when it's so fundamental? Well, I think Democrats are starting to seriously push this issue. Okay. I'm just not I mean, hearing you know, it you, regularly. You, yeah, uh, well, you're, you know, there's not much talk about it in the national press. I mean, you know, occasionally it'll leak through with the story about the post office or something, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is a really serious problem. But Tim, I you know, spot on. I, I salute you. Um, and election integrity is huge, and that's why the first piece of legislation the Democrats passed a year and a half ago, when they took control of the House of Representatives, HR one, House Resolution one, the first piece of legislation that the Democrats passed in the U.S. House of Representatives was to clean up our elections, to fund every uh, you know, every county in the in the state so that they could have good clean elections keep track of things make it harder for republicans to throw people off the voting rolls because they're voting while black things like that so yeah spot on tim thank you very much for the call jim in woodbridge new jersey hey jim what's up imagine if good. after we're done talking right now the next call is none other than joe biden and he asks you tom What's the one thing I haven't promised the public that I should promise them that will get me elected in November? What would you say? 
I think he's doing it, frankly, you know, competence and decency that there's such a deep longing for something other than a psychopath and a criminal in the White House. Um, the, the, you know, this, this pitch that has been made by the Biden campaign that basically that Joe Biden is the guy who can be a decent, honorable human being is pretty important, Jim. In your opinion, what am I missing? Medicare for all, universal basic income. And See, that stuff is going to resonate with the, with the, the base. And you can make an argument, and a number of people have, I have over the years, that the best way to win an election is to really get your base enthusiastic and really get them well, mobilized and get them out this? there. I've been listening to you for 20 years. But that said, I think right now, probably in this election, a base strategy is actually not the best strategy because it, 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 it also mobilizes the base on the other side. Trump's base is cracking right now. It's cracking very badly because of because of the stories that, you know, Trump knew how bad this virus was and he lied to his own base. He, he knew that it was transmitted through the air and he said, get together without a face mask. I think that the strategy that they're pursuing right now is actually a, a good and reasonable one. In any case, it's the strategy that we have. I'm, you know, I'm not running his campaign. Neither are you. <laughs> so, you know, let's just do everything we can to get Trump out of office. Thanks so much for being with us today and uh, throughout the week. Thanks to Louise, Sean Taylor, Nate Atwell, Jamie Holly, Joyce the Hammer Nance, Nigel Peacock, Sue Nethercutt, Patrick Hoyt, Gerald Halbert, Dave Fulton, Ron Hartenbaum, Chase Strauss, Nicholas Miller, Pat Sweeney, and Jabbermocky, all the folks working on this show. Thank you and thank you for being with us. Get out there, get active, tag, you're in. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 